0: something on me that hasn't left me since last week, a lot of times you hold on to a word that you need, but occasionally a word from God holds on to you, and that word last week the Lord gave me for you ring straight if if you missed last week none of this will make sense but we were talking about how God saw how Laban had dealt dishonestly and had basically stolen from Jacob not just wages but years it's one thing to lose money it's another thing to lose years and God set up a wealth transfer where Jacob picked the rarest cows, those that were ring-straight or speckled or had a pattern in their, in their um, skin. And Laban thought it was a great deal for him and a poor deal for Jacob. But God made all of Laban's cows start giving birth to ring-straight calves. And the deal was all of the ring would go to Jacob and be his salary, his, his wealth. And over the course of a short time, God transferred all of the wealth to Jacob using the ringstrake. Now the word "ringstrake we talked about it last week it means "marked." with a circular pattern, kind of like what Bishop was talking about, sealed, marked. It's an outward sign of the blessing of God. Number two, it's a mark of favor and supernatural provision. That mark is on you right now. It's on this church. And then number three, it's an emblem an emblem of a wealth transfer. I've come to announce to you prophetically and to preach the blessing of the Lord over your life and a coming wealth transfer that is going to blow your mind. And the Lord told me to announce and to preach and to prophesy his blessing over you and to teach what his word says about blessing, particularly financial blessing. And um, we're going to get into that today. But before we do, the blessing is a tangible thing. It's a spiritual force that can be felt tangibly. So before I go any further, let me be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Lift up your hands in the name of Jesus. If you don't want to be blessed, get out right now because it's coming. In the name of Jesus, Father, I'm doing what you told me to do by the authority that you have given me, by the anointing that you have given me, and by the power of your Holy Spirit that puts it into action. I release and confirm the blessing of the Lord over the people from the top of their head to the sole of their feet if they are in this building even watching online we speak the blessing may the Lord your God bless you now in the name of Jesus give him praise for it your Bible with me to Exodus chapter 20 beginning in verse 3 along with the blessing of the Lord the intensity of the blessing of the Lord must come the wisdom of the word of the Lord so you prophetically and spiritually confer the blessing and then you teach what the scripture says about it. So we're going to read the Ten Commandments because the blessing of God always follows his commandments. I'm teaching already the blessing of God always follows his commandments. So let's look at the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servants, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, Shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant's female servant, nor his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. May the Lord add another blessing to the reading of his word. In Jesus' name, smile at somebody and say, You blessed. And take your seat. Today we're ministering from the subject Ten Commandments of the Ring Straked Life. What do I mean the ring-straked life? I mean the life that is marked with a pattern of the blessing of God. And you must add wisdom to that pattern. You must add obedience to that pattern to live in it in its fullness. If you want to know more about ring-straked, you can visit last week's message and get caught up. Today, I want to give you Ten Commandments to follow concerning finances from the scripture. And the reason I want to add wisdom to your life concerning finances is with the amount that God is going to bless you with, you're going to need some wisdom to know how to manage it. Put your right hand on your head and say, give me wisdom to manage finances. Oh, I feel that. Give me wisdom to manage money. If more money than you know what to do with is coming to you, one of two things will happen. You will either squander it or you will go to God for the wisdom to know how to manage it. Increase the capacity of my wisdom in the name of Jesus. Come on. Increase the capacity of my wisdom. The scripture is clear from a theological perspective that God is at his core a blesser. He wants his people to be blessed. Spirit, yes. Soul, yes. Body, yes. And even finances. Why? Why does God want us to be blessed financially? There seems to be some controversy about it in the church. Why does God want his people to be blessed? Well, number one, it's real simple. He loves us and love gives. Number two, He is our heavenly father. He is a provider. It is his pleasure. David said he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. And also, number three, because we are the people in the earth that bear his name. He said, if my people who are called by my name, his people are called by his name and he wants to use us to be his brand in the earth, not just to be blessed so we can be fat and sassy, but blessed to be a blessing to other families in the earth just like so many of you were, of you were yesterday feeding this community over 700 people got fed because of your efforts you know what that is that's god's brand in action in the earth feeding hungry people and blessing people look at deuteronomy 8:18 8, why does god want us to be blessed look at deuteronomy 8:18 8, this is what the lord said to the people of israel He said, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Oh, hallelujah. I feel it. When these scriptures are going about blessing, especially if you were in mantle today, you need to be pulling these in. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers to this day. What? what is that covenant? Go back to Genesis chapter 12, verse two. He said, the reason I want you to be empowered financially, the reason I want you to be strong financially is so I can establish the covenant I made, the original covenant with your forefather. What was it? He, this is it. This is the covenant God made with Abraham that Deuteronomy was referencing. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Listen, Mantle. I will bless you. God is speaking to you in your ear right now. I will bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to fix your reputation. I'm going to clean up your credit report. I'm going to clean up how people see you and view you when it comes to investing and partnering with you. I'm going to make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I speak these words from God's word over your head, from the top of your head to the Of your feet. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing in the name of Jesus all over the house. I pray you receive it. God wants to do it. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I know what they used to call you. I know what they used to say about you. I know how they used to dog you, but I will make your name great. And it's not just about you. So you can be a blessing because you cannot give what you do not have. So I'm going to make sure you have it because I trust that you'll turn around. And So you may ask, oh, give him a praise right there. I feel the Holy Ghost jumping all over me. This thing is in the room. It's in the room. It's in the room. By faith, receive it. By faith, you can grab it now. We ain't got to wait till later. You can take it now. Yeah, receive it, honey. may retort if God loves me and if God desires for me to be blessed then pastor why am I struggling financially consider for a moment in answer to that question consider for a moment salvation. What do we know about salvation? We know that salvation is a free gift. That's what the Apostle Paul said in his epistle. That it's salvation is a free gift. He said that in the book of Romans. It is by the grace of God through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So salvation is available and it's not something you have to work or labor for. It's free. But there's a wall around it. Not everybody's saved. Not everybody in the world saved. Jesus preached about hell more than he preached about any other topic. There's going to be a lot of people that go to hell. Why? When salvation is free, it's a free gift, it's been made available, and it's by grace. Well, because there's a wall around it, and the door is Jesus Christ. You can't get inside without going through the door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father unless he comes by me. Jesus then said, I am the door. So salvation has a wall around it. Jesus is the door. In the same way, the blessing of God has a wall around it. And the door is obedience to God's commandments. I'm going to say it again. There's a wall around blessing. And the door of entrance is obedience to God's commandments. So since you receive blessing by obeying God's commandments, let's look back at the 10 commandments we just read. But what I want to do is, since we're preaching about blessing and we're preaching about financial empowerment, I want to look at those 10 commandments Through a financial lens. So along with every commandment, we're going to relate it and tie it to how it relates to finances. Amen? Amen. Commandment number one from Exodus chapter 20, verse three. The word says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Point number one that goes with this commandment is put God first, truly first in your life. If we ask most people in this room, is God truly first in your financial life? The answer would be no. It may be what's held you back from walking in that door that's available with blessing behind it prioritize your financial life to put God first it's a matter of faith and it's a matter of stewardship do you know that disciplined tithers do better on a budget because they know exactly what the first portion of their income is going towards they are putting God first it helps bring order it helps bring structure to your financial life put God first it'll ring strike your life look at 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 10 through 14. Obeying this commandment of putting God first puts you through the door into the supernatural provision and blessing of God. Take me to 1 Kings. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a woman or widow, rather, was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, He called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hands. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it. First. Look at the priority there first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The, The question people always ask when they deal with this passage is, Why would God want to use a widow to provide for his prophet, the one who represented his ministry, the one who was carrying God's name in the earth? Why would God choose in a famine a widow to take care of the prophet? Why wouldn't God choose a wealthy person? And the problem with that question is the premise. God wasn't trying to provide for Elijah the prophet. God was using Elijah the prophet and his challenge to invite her to walk through the door of supernatural blessing and provision. And when she put God first, God supernaturally ring straight that jar of meal and that jar of oil and caused it to go further than it normally could have and blessed her house supernaturally. The prophetic challenge is never to take something from you. It's always to give something to you and challenge you to move out of your flesh and into your faith. And when you commit yourself and make a decision to put God first every week of your life, you will be amazed at how the blessing of the Lord begins to multiply you, begins to preserve you, and begins to overtake you when you put God first. Point number two from Exodus chapter 20, verse four, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. When it says carved image there, he's talking about little idols or little false gods. Basically an idol in the scripture is anything you put before God. Now I want to ask you a question. You can be honest. Have you ever put a material thing before God? Probably a lot of us have, one time or another. Uh, everybody didn't answer that, so maybe everybody will feel more comfortable answering this. Have you ever had buyer's remorse? <laughs> you ever bought something, and then you get it home, and you get to looking at it, and you get to looking at your account, and you're, at it, and you're looking at it, and you're looking at your account, and you're looking at it, and and, and, and you just kind of get the feeling, man, I don't know if that was worth it. I don't know if it was worth it. The word worship actually comes from the word worth So our second point correlating to the Ten Commandments is don't worship material things. Don't lift up material things to have a place of importance in your life. Don't overvalue their worth. And a key To keep yourself from becoming materialistic, first of all, have you ever known somebody that was totally materialistic? You go in their house; they got four coffee makers, two espresso machines, every kitchen doodad. You know, always buying things that they can't afford because what pleases them, what 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 they enjoy, is material things, flashy things, shiny things. And there comes a point where you begin to value. The worth of things in your life more than you value the worth of your creator, more than you value the worth of God. And value is proven by sacrifice or by what you spend on. So I I can look at your checkbook and tell who you love. I love you, Jesus i worship and adore you just want to tell you lord i love you more than any sing 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 don't worship material things So what balances this, if you're becoming materialistic, and nobody likes to admit it, but you probably know if you are. If you're becoming... God, just slipped that in. If you're becoming materialistic or you have a tendency for that, um, you know, addicts know they're addicts. People that have brokenness know they have brokenness. If you notice yourself becoming or trending materialistic, increase the amount of time that you worship God. There's something about worshiping Him and acknowledging His worthship that causes every other material thing to lessen in its importance. You sing an old song: "Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim." in the light of his glory and grace and it's true the more you worship Jesus I'm not talking about attending a worship service I'm talking about in your personal life the more you stop and take time and lift up your hands and sing God a song and praise him and worship him all of a sudden you'll find that material things they they lose their shine they lose their importance they they lose that pull and that draw they have over you when you worship the one who's worthy worthy of it amen He's worthy. Give him praise right there. Let's take a moment and just worship. Number three, don't use God's name selfishly. This is from Exodus 20, verse 7, where he says, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Now, how did we get don't use God's name selfishly from that? Well, the word vain means selfish, conceited, and self-absorbed. I know you're not any of those things, but your neighbor may be. (laughs) Selfish, conceited, self-absorbed. Now, he's saying, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. I'm saying, when it comes to your financial life, you know, vain people pray too. Conceited people pray too. Selfish people pray too. Some of them pray a lot. And we are taught by Jesus to pray for the things we need. And we're taught to pray in Jesus' name. He told his disciples, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, that he will give you. So we're taught to pray in his name. And he taught us to pray for our needs in the model prayer. He told his disciples, pray, give us this day Our daily bread. Pray for your needs. Jesus even taught us to pray in his name for our desires. Whatsoever things ye desire. When you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. However, your prayers will tell on your heart. That's why you should always pray out loud. And if you're using all of your prayer energy, all of your prayer time, and you're using the power of Jesus' name focused on material things, you're out of balance, and you're taking the Lord's name in vain. You ain't got a cuss to take the name of the Lord in vain, okay? If you're spending all your prayer energy, all of your prayer time, praying about paying a car note that you never should have bought in the first place, how to kill a service... Then your prayer life, you may be praying in vain. Yeah. Okay. So make sure you prioritize. You pray for your needs. You pray for your desires. But you better be praying about something else too. Or is the only thing you go to God about forgetting what you want? Number four. Off that point, Lord Jesus. I thought y'all were going to kill me on that one. Number four. Be a good steward. Exodus 20, 9 and 10. What commandment does this come from? He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days do your labor and all your work. But the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord. and You shall do no work. I don't want anyone in your family to work. Don't let anyone in camp work. Take the Sabbath off. Well, there's a lot we could say about the Sabbath. Theology has a lot to say about the Sabbath. There's been great debates by great commentaries and theologians about the Sabbath. But all of that aside, essentially, the Sabbath law is about stewardship. The Sabbath law is about stewardship. It's the stewardship of your time and your energy. And it also reveals the level of your trust in God. The Sabbath law was basically saying, I want you to have the faith that God can do more with six days than you can with seven. That willfully setting aside one day for worship and rest could cause you to go further than staying in the work grind seven days a week. It's about being enough of a steward, but also having enough trust to say, God, I believe if I will refuse to put my hand to try to make money and try to bless myself, I believe if I'll refuse to touch it on the Sabbath day, I believe you'll look at my refusal to do it and my honoring of your commandment, and you'll bless me with more than I could have earned if I would have worked. It's all about, it's all about stewardship. Are you a good steward? Of what you've been blessed with? Are you a good steward of your money? Some of us are believing God. And you can laugh if you want to. I don't care. You'll see it. Some of us are believing God for multiple millions of dollars. Because of our purpose. Our purpose requires it. The price tag on some of our purposes is millions of dollars. Okay, it's like David and Sean Daniel, pastors, elders in this church. Their future has a price tag on it that cost multiple millions of dollars. So, in faith, I'm targeting my prayers. Make David Daniel a multi-millionaire. Okay, say so why, what he's going to build what he's going to set up for communities, what's in the man's heart and what's in Sean, Pastor Sean's heart to do. The purpose of it can't be done with a couple hundred thousand bucks. It's going to take millions. There's other people in here. It's going to take millions for what you've been called for, for what God has poured down on the inside of you and destined you to do. It's not everybody. I understand that, but for the millionaires, that your purpose requires millions. Not not for you to go buy a bunch of Cadillacs and be, be swimming in it. I'm talking about the purpose you're going to accomplish in the earth requires millions of dollars. Ask yourself this, am I a good steward? Sometimes the delay is God waiting on your stewardship to mature to the level of your faith. Because sometimes you can have a whole lot more faith than you do since. And stewardship. Listen to me. God blesses people he can trust. God blesses people he can trust. If your prayer was answered at the level of stewardship you have now, it may kill you. So ask yourself, are you a good steward? And you don't wait till millions come to be a good steward. Or they never come. You start on the level that you are at. And you prove you can trust me with more. You can trust me with more. You can trust me with more. Every step, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Every step is an opportunity to prove you can trust me on the next level. Amen. Good stewards have three things in common. They spend wisely. They save diligently. They give generously. They spend wisely. They save diligently. They give generously. Point number five, teach your children. Teach your children. This is from Exodus 20. Verse 12, where the scripture says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Why do we say teach your children for this point? Why does God in the Ten Commandments command children and tell them to honor their parents? Because parents are the primary teachers about God and life. No matter how good a teacher is at school, the content can be great and they can know the material better than you, but you will always have more influence. Your voice will always carry more weight. Therefore, you are the number one teacher about life and about finances. Most of what your children learn about money, good or bad, comes directly I'm conditioned to y'all scowling at me through a point you don't like. So you can smile or keep scowling. It don't make me no difference. Your face is going to hurt if you keep frowning, trying to help your face. When you complain about finances in front of your kids, listen to me. When you talk about what you don't have and how if we could just get here or just get there or how things are so tight. When you speak all of that into your children's ears, listen, you're planting an idea in them to serve money and to chase money. So money becomes the principal thing. It skews the value system. Okay. And so you, you must understand your conversations about finances as a parent are directly impacting the paradigm the child has about finances. Look at Luke sixteen thirteen. Listen to what Jesus said. Luke sixteen thirteen. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon was their word for money. The the, the most terrible thing for a Christian, really for a person. You can read all these horror stories in Hollywood about what happens to all these rich actors. The saddest thing for a person is to be a slave to money. you want money to serve you. You never want to have to serve your money. How you talk about God in front of your kids, church in front of your kids, money in front of your kids, you're building, you're framing a mindset like they frame up a building, like we're about to frame up a building outside. You frame up a building, build carefully. Because when that thing crashes one day, it won't necessarily be all their fault. Think about it. Those of you who got a little age on you, think about it. How many negative things about finances got passed down to you? How much did you have to break? How much did you have to step out of or wise up out of? Don't replicate that cycle. Don't put it on the kids. Kids can't solve it. Why complain about it to them? Number six, live on a budget. I got some good ones coming, I promise. Just give me a minute. Give me a minute. We're going to shout in a minute, okay? Live on a budget. If you've been to Duo, you've heard this live on a budget this comes from verse 13 the 10 commandments you shall not murder how do you get live on a budget from you shall not murder it's because when you fail to live on a budget you murder your financial life when you fail to live on a budget you kill Your financial life. Do you know most people have no idea how much they're spending? They know what their big bills are. But other than that, they have no idea the amount of money that they are spending every month. You cannot have good stewardship if you don't count. Look at your neighbor and say, counting matters. (laughs) Live on a budget. Look at Proverbs 27, 23, and 24. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24. I'm not going to quote it. I'm going to wait till y'all get it because I want them to see it. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24. Be diligent. We could preach on the word diligent. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. How many you got? Now they're talking about their economy, which was cattle, sheep, goats, flocks. But but you could read that. Be diligent to know the state of your money. And attend to your herds. Next verse. For riches are not forever nor does a crown endure to all generations. In other words, what he's teaching here is there are moments in your life and you will very rarely feel like it. There, everyone has a season in their life where their earning is maximized. Okay, They're in a good max flow. Sometimes these seasons can stretch out long if you're in certain careers. And when your flow of finance is coming in strong, If you don't monitor and budget the state of those things, and if you don't attend to those things, if you're not putting effort into the management of those things, you have to know there will be a season sometime where the flow is not as strong as it was, which won't be a problem if you managed it properly while it was flowing. Seasons of targeted blessing are coming and it's God's will for you to use the season where it rains to preserve against the season where there's a drought and it's not God's fault if you don't manage it oh that's good preaching So live on a budget. If you don't know how to do it, there's all kind of free apps and websites and all kind of stuff you can plug every bill into and then every dollar you make into and it'll, even, it'll do it for you. A financial budget helps you make money decisions without emotion attached. We can get so emotional about our money. You know? When you have a budget, though, the budget dictates what's available. The budget dictates what you can do. You have those things fixed in your budget. You've put God first. You You've put the things that are essential to your life in in their proper order. And then, you know, when the husband comes and says, I want new golf clubs. Y'all ain't got to fight about it. Just check the budget. See, if you say no, it's a fight. You don't want me to be able to. And it's all this kind of stuff. You can avoid all that emotional stuff. Budget. okay. And the budget says, the budget tells, takes all the emotion out. And it forecasts what you can do. It forecasts what you can believe God for. See, if I asked you what amount you were believing God for, many people would just say, I need a lot of money. You know, a budget will forecast what do we need in this family to truly go to the next level to buy that rental property, to start that business, or to expand that business. A budget will tell you where to target your faith. A lot of our faith isn't specific enough because we don't know what we need. We just need more. Budget will tell you to the penny what you need. Number seven, this is going to be a good one. You're going to like me after this one. Number 7 live below your means. Yeah. Exodus 20:14 Exodus 20:14 You shall not commit adultery. How are you tying you shall not commit adultery to Don't live below your means or or do live below your means. Don't live above your means. When a person commits adultery, all they're doing from God's perspective, when a person commits adultery, all they're doing is living outside of what God provided and commanded. They're saying, I'm not satisfied with what you gave me, so I'm going to go provide for myself. That's what they do when they commit adultery. Same thing when you live above your means. When you live above your means and buy things you can't afford, you are saying, God, I am not satisfied with what you gave me or what you provided for me. It's not good enough. I'm your little princess, and because you didn't give it to me, I'm just going to go out and get it for myself. You're stepping outside of what has been provided there's two reasons people live above their means one they are not content and people that are not content will never get content no matter how much they receive if you have a problem or a brokenness in the area of contentment and nothing can make you happy we could give you the world and you will destroy yourself and slowly implode because that brokenness cannot be fixed with more stuff if you're not content with $500 a week, you won't be with $5,000 a week. You will find a way to break the situation because the problem is not the money. The problem is you. The second reason that people live above their means is they didn't count the cost. So, contentment, lack of contentment, that's number one. Look at Philippians 4.11. For all of you who have problems with contentment, being happy, you're always pushing happiness off to the next goal, the next level, the next person, the next spouse. Paul says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, To be content. Look at the key and watch. It's not spiritual and it's not the Holy Ghost and it ain't Jesus. Look at the key to contentment. I have learned. Contentment is a learned behavior. So take what you got now at the level you're at now and start practicing and learning. Number 8. This one's going to be better, I promise. Number 8. Don't buy now and pay later. This comes from the commandment in Exodus 20:15 which simply says, "You shall not steal when you buy now and pay later you're stealing from your future self interesting uh, stat for you 80% of all tax refunds are spent before the money ever hits the account I saw your rims when you pulled in Listen to me, when you finance the furniture, the big screen, the refrigerator and all that stuff over four years, you make your payments, you end up paying more in interest than the stuff is even worth. And you're stealing from your future self. Also, I'm not just talking about delayed gratification and all those things that financial gurus talk about. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about from a spiritual perspective. God hardwired us to hope for things. God wants us to hope for things. I'm going to get that thing. I walk in the mall, I saw that thing. I want that thing. I'm going to get that thing. I'm standing in hope. Look at Romans 8, 24. This is a powerful scripture. Just about hope. The things. We, We all need things. We all get things. Paul says, we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen... It's not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees? Why is this important? When I see, it, ain't nothing wrong with you having a TV you can actually see. <laughs> so I'm hoping, right? I'm going to get that TV. And for the first time, I'm going to watch a game. I can actually see, you know, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Well, what am I doing? I'm starting to hope. I'm starting to build up some hope on the inside for it. But if I go and finance it. And I, I instantly take possession of it without paying for it. Now the years that I keep having to pay that monthly bill. And the years that I keep having to pay that interest on the thing. Is robbing me of the joy and accomplishment And the fulfillment of my hope. See, it's different if you're hoping for it and you start saving and you do the work and you build it up, and all this time that hope and hope and hope is growing, and then you go and you purchase it, you take possession of it. Now you're filled with a release, the endorphins of accomplishment, the endorphins of thankfulness and gratefulness. Now you enjoy the possession. But you don't enjoy that possession on the 56th month of paying for it with the interest. So now what you wanted has become a curse to you. And it ruins the hope process. There's certain things you have to finance. I understand that. I'm talking about things that if you just waited a little bit and stood in hope, you could take possession of it. I'll never forget years ago. I was a kid. You'll have to tell me how many years ago this was. I'll never forget. I was invited. It's the only time I've been invited to Pastor David and Sean's house. And I remembered remarking to her about this gorgeous dining room table that she had. You You think you've seen a table. You ought to see there. It's the most unbelievable thing. But when I mentioned it and complimented it, she almost started crying and started telling me the miracle of how God gave her and helped her take possession of that table. There's a million ways God can bless you. There's a million ways God can get things to you. I heard a pastor say, God will move China to get you a China set if that's what he needs to do. Don't don't resist. Don't resist that exercise, that discipline of standing in hope for a while. You might be surprised. God may give it to you. But stop robbing from your future self. You're going to need that money. Your purpose might need that money you're paying on interest. Your kids might need that money you're paying on interest. Your aging parents may need that money that you're spending on interest. And remember, the blessing of God is not just about you. It's so you can be. How are you going to be a blessing paying 25% interest on a credit card that's got thousands of dollars on it? Don't shout me down. Point number nine, be a good witness. Exodus 20, 16 says, do not bear false witness. I'm saying, if, if, if the negative is true, don't be a false witness. What does it mean to be a true witness? And it's more than just telling the truth. What about if your financial life brought glory to God? What about if it wasn't just your singing, your preaching, your witnessing, you, uh, you know, on the street about Jesus handing out gospel tracts? What, what if your financial life praised God? What if people were able to look at the way you conduct your financial businesses, and see the hand of God imposed in your life. Be a good witness. Look at somebody and say, be a good witness. And then number 10, be content. We already dealt with this a little bit. But the final commandment is, do not covet your neighbor's house, their spouse, their stuff. Do not covet. We live in an age... Where covetousness is at an all-time high. It's never been as high in a society in the history of the world as it is right now. Because Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all these things that are on our phones are showing us 24 hours a day other people's lives and tempting us to covet. And I want to tell you, covetousness is a blessing blocker. Look how serious it. Most people don't, when they think about bad sins, most people don't list covetousness. It's it's hard to find a, a good message. Go search online. It's hard to find a good message from a good preacher about covetousness. I mean, you can find one. He'll be a terrible preacher. But it's hard to find, you know. Look at Colossians 3, 5. The apostle's teaching, therefore, put to death in your members. He's talking about your physical body that houses your soul and your spirit. Put to death in your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, that's lust, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Look at the list of sins he puts covetousness in. And he calls it idolatry. Why is covetousness idolatry? Because when you begin to covet what someone else has, you give them your attention. You start receiving from their influence. Because if I could be like them, I could have a six pack. If I could be like her, I could drive that car. If I could be like him, I could have that promotion. Or I could have that business. Or I could wear those clothes. Or I could wear those shoes. Or I could have that watch. Okay? All of the sudden, your focus, your attention goes to their influence. That's why they're called social media influencers. They are paid advertising dollars to influence you. When you allow yourself to be under the influence of anything other than God, that becomes idolatry. Mark these things. Note these things. Write these things down. If you didn't and you wasted all this, go back and watch it again. It's free. You're going to need it. Because the blessing is coming. I said the blessing is coming. I said a level at which you've never experienced it before. The level of best, a blessing that pays the price on the price tag of your purpose it is coming so now the last thing i'm told to do may the blessing of the lord come upon you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet may you be equipped with the wisdom to manage favor may you be equipped with the knowledge the understanding to operate and flow in what God is about to send you may you sense it may you see it may you grasp it may you hold it may it come upon your life in the name of Jesus now lift up your hands and worship the Lord